It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good afternoon. It's time for another episode of Never Punt, Never Parlay. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I'm here as always with my co-host and friend, Douglas Farmer. Douglas, another four and two in the books for us this weekend. How the heck are you, man? I'm never going to complain when we go four and two. It's And I'm never going to complain when we split it, two and one, two and one. It's nice to carry that load equally. And, you know, Parker, we, we deserve that four and two. The four games we got right, we really crushed. There wasn't any sweat. It was a nice, easy week in that respect. I wouldn't mind another stress-free one like that. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it, 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 we've had a couple that have been sweet either. Um, you know, we've had weeknight bets kind of pan out, or then we've had – uh, just some of these easy breezy uh, wins that are that are really really nice. So uh, on the season, not doing too bad. I thought that was going to be pulling up the, uh, the the record on the season, but uh, yeah, thirty and there twenty-one we go. on the season for us. Not too shabby. UNLV had it that late one. Kind of that one kind of made me a little. Uh, I was annoyed a little bit. I felt like UNLV didn't uh, didn't play as hard as they could have an entire game, but they got the win with the late comeback there. And then of course App State continues to be the, uh, the scourge of this podcast. I will. I am um, done betting App State on the show. I will not do it. Uh, that future is obviously cooked. I think I've lost three show bets, at least two on App State. Now, have I bet them this week with my personal money? Maybe, but I'm not on the show anymore. It we're done. It, we're gonna we're gonna have to sit you down and uh, have your loved ones read letters to you about <laughs> betting on App State. We uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it, you know it just happens, but uh, not a bad not a bad week uh, overall in college football. I think we learned a lot here um, about some of these games as well. In addition to to our plays working out pretty well there, so let's uh, let's recap a couple of the big games. Of course, ones that I think everybody watched. Ohio State just uh, pulled away from uh, Penn State seemed like it was just kind of in the balance until about midway through the third quarter. And then you just kind of knew Ohio State was going to at some point win. Um, hurts me a little bit because I had some some flyers on Penn State for national championship and for Big Ten futures. Those are still both in play, uh, theoretically, but theoretically. not in the same way that I've been saying like, oh, Alabama national championship is in play. Penn State, the receiver room particularly, just does not feel like it's going to turn into anything this year. So that's uh, that's a little bit um, that's a little bit disappointing. Um, but uh, I, I think the biggest thing we learned here, and maybe you have some thoughts on this, is uh, Michigan's going to win the Big Ten, right? I even after this week of rumors that I, I kind of want to get into from a gambling perspective, but also I'm not sure yet how to look at it from a gambling perspective. Even after this week of rumors. Michigan had to watch that game Saturday and think, okay, so Big Ten West is our Big Ten West doesn't exist. Big Ten East is ours. We're set. Great. Awesome. And they're into the playoff at that point. That's I I wasn't impressed by either quarterback. These were comic cord we've seen up and down this year. Drew Aller faced a good defense and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was that simple. And you could say it was the receivers, and that was certainly part of it. But like the Penn State offense just didn't do anything. Michigan has to be feeling pretty good about the Big Ten. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, and and again, even obviously playoff and national championship, just because the probability of the Big Ten has gone so much higher. Uh, Penn State needs to uh, needs to beat Michigan uh, yes. to have any kind of chance of anything there. And Ohio State uh, still theoretically controls still destiny. Although, uh, if that game were happening this weekend, I don't know. I don't have it offhand to know what I would make it, but probably Michigan by a touchdown. Uh, this is about what I'd be looking at for that right now. So I, I, I think Michigan's firmly in control. Um, Hold on. I'm going to check it real, oh, real got... quick. I'd have Michigan. It, where is it this year? It's at Michigan, correct? Uh, I yeah. so. It's at Michigan. It's Michigan by seven and a half, give or take. Yeah. Um, and, and for the record, my one thought about the sign stealing allegations I'm just trying to look forward. I can't think of any instance ever in history where a team has been banned from the postseason during that season. And that's the precedence that I don't think the NCAA would even consider setting, no matter how serious this gets. Uh, So I don't think that would be the worry, but I don't think that's even at all in play. That would be pretty dramatic for what we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't, uh, that would be, Unless there's something to this that is like a, aggressively worse than what we've seen, um, I think this is more of a is this what finally puts Harbaugh to the NFL kind of a situation more so than like a death penalty to Michigan or anything absurd there. But uh, yeah, I, I, but I, I think that's I think that's fair to say. Um, a couple other games that we should recap. Uh, speaking of Alabama. Nick Saban won't die. Uh, they beat Tennessee pretty handily. I believe that was Josh Heupel's first loss after leading at halftime. Do believe I saw he was 22 and 0 going into that, uh, and they led at half. Um, and uh, Bama just totally took away in the second half. Made the adjustments you expect out of halftime and really shut Tennessee down. Alabama in the driver's seat for the SEC West control their own destiny for the playoff there. So. Uh, nice because uh, there's a little bit of plus money on uh, Alabama to win the uh, win the SEC and to win the national title. So uh, I'm gonna, enjoy I'm having gonna keep, those of those. I'm going to keep holding on hope for my LSU SEC West ticket. I think Tennessee showed Alabama's defense can get got. When you put up 20 and a half on Alabama's defense, LSU, Jalen Daniels, Brian Kelly, they've got to be thinking, hey, there's something here. Excuse me, Jaden Daniels. And then, yeah, Alabama puts up 27-0 in the second half. Jalen Milrow completes two-thirds of his passes for 220 yards. It was good enough, but I, I think I would still like LSU. I'm, I'm holding out hope that first week of November. LSU certainly seems to have a pop that maybe Tennessee doesn't, where LSU can dig a hole big enough for Alabama. I don't think that, Tennessee twisted the knife. Tennessee needed one score coming out of halftime. They just needed to put one more up on the board, and instead Alabama get, was able to dictate that entire second half. Very much agree with you there. Tennessee was just one away. It might have been a two-touchdown game in the end, but I think one score could have done it. Uh, other teams that did not have enough out of the half and needed another score um, – USC, it's not even that their defense is bad. It's just they're just uninterested in their defense. Do they practice defense? I like I don't I don't understand how eleven athletes can get on the field well, and consistently not play. I mean, I yeah, I, I, I don't understand how they continue to allow uh, stuff like this to happen. Utah's offense absolutely abysmal. Great job by by the Utes there, um, coming up with something on the offensive side of things. But man, this USC defense is just. Uh, it is uh, astounding and in, in kind of a cosmological and uh, historical sense. 
Parker, this was my first weekend without a game to cover, actively cover in, since August. And so I would say USC practices defense like I practiced to Brady on Friday night, just very, very badly. Like what a, the, the damning moment for USC was to trust his defense with a minute 46 left. Are you kidding me? Are you, what are you, what are you thinking about here? They give the ball back to Utah and then to make matters worse, Utah covers 54 yards in 11 plays in a minute 46. You can't, you can't let that happen against a cam rising list Utah. And now they'll be cam rising list for the rest of the year. We doubt them overall. We're going to get to more Utah thoughts a little bit here, but it's, you give up nearly 500 yards, 6.9 yards per play to what has been a struggling offense. Utah USC's defense. It, it's do they practice it? I know I'm never going to believe in the USC's defense this year. And I think this year is bad enough that I'm not going to believe in USC's defense next year. Yeah. It's, it's hard to imagine what they could do to change my opinion of what they could do. Uh, I don't know if we want to be the show that starts to talk about things like USC defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, but uh, I think it would be uh, a similar act of God for me to believe that USC is going to take any meaningful steps forward uh, on that side of the ball. Florida state uh, properly disposed of Duke went about as the numbers had it Riley Leonard in there with the ankle, but uh, just not enough in the tank for Duke Uh, hard to, Hard to say much about this game other than, I mean, FSU is better than Duke and and Riley Leonard couldn't play the whole game. So uh, that's about what I expected to happen. It looks a lot like Michigan in the Big Ten. Florida State is at least going to make the ACC title game. They've got Miami on November 4th. They're going to be favored by more than a touchdown. It's hard to think Miami is going to pull that off. Maybe that's just me doubting Mario Cristobal. Uh, I'm looking at Florida State as 90% of what I'm looking at and Michigan to win their conference, or at least in Florida State's case, make the conference championship game. It's We have Tom McPeak already hopping in the comments asking about Georgia to win the SEC. I'm not there with Georgia, but it's a similar thing. They're going to make the SEC championship game. So if you can get that neg 110 number, you're establishing value. The same things can apply to Michigan and to Florida State. They're going to make their conference championship games, and any number you get right now, is going to be better than the number you'd get in the foot to the championship game itself. You might need to do a little bit of legwork on the on what else you can get, Tom. Uh, like what are the other odds for the SEC East teams to take out some dig there? But that's 52%. I imagine after the Florida game, if Georgia beats Florida, I bet that goes to like what 120, 130 overnight. And me, uh, me suggesting it is largely just no matter what, no matter who they play, Bama or LSU, Georgia's going to be a, f- a favorite, whether it's by two or by three, and that num- the, the money line for the number you get in the SEC title game is going to be worse than the neg 110 you can get right now. Yeah, that's probably that's probably smart. And there's probably some opportunity for arbitrage, especially across books, because, Douglas, when you shop, you can find edges like that. And uh, that's a good way to be a smarter, better Um all four of our wins, you have this note here. This is a good note. I'm stealing it. All four of our, our, our wins were sweat-free. We mentioned that. Coverage the spread by an average of 12.9 points. That's not a Parker stat. That's a Douglas stat. I'm just reading it off his notes here. Totally stealing it from him. Love to see that uh, cushion. It, it really was a sweat-free weekend. Even our two losses. UNLV started too slow. There was a chance late. Appalachian State was missing their starting running back, but that wasn't a problem. Their offense was just terribly ineffective. They had four drives of 20 or fewer yards. 
those two were alive mm-hmm. late. Like we were, we were within range of things we don't talk about. But the four wins we did notch, it was, it was smooth sailing. And I'll take it because next we're going to get to a futures note here that wasn't smooth sailing. It's effectively lost. So it's nice to get the wins when we can get them. It is uh, always, always taking the wins there. Yeah. So looking at some futures, uh, one, I, I think I'm taking an L on Toledo. Bet against them. Just thought that they wouldn't, uh, they would hit the under nine. Um, and uh, we're sitting at what seven and one here with uh, not a lot of beef on the rest of that schedule. Uh, Buffalo, Eastern Michigan, Bowling Green, Central Michigan. Hey, maybe those last two November games will be absolute insanity with weather. Maybe something will happen there, but looks like Toledo is a uh, best case scenario kind of push. Uh, but probably losing that one. And your um, best case scenario is probably contingent on Jason Candle once again closing things up once he secured his division. And so maybe you just you luck into a, a I think it's Central Michigan to close the season. And Central Michigan's okay enough that if Jason Candle doesn't care, there's a chance. But no, I think that's a loss. <laughs> yeah, you know what pisses me off the San Jose State. If the San Jose State game, that it's so dumb. San Jose State lost that game. If they had won that. Uh, or if the Spartans had beaten Toledo there, maybe we're feeling a little bit better, but yeah, well, no, this was lost. This is and this weekend, we're going to get to this note a little bit later, but if Blaine Gabbard doesn't get hurt, I think Miami of Ohio takes Toledo They're, They lose that by four points in the end. Uh, yes. You're seven and one very easily could be five and three. And then you're cooking with gas. What can you, you know, what can you, what can you do? Ifs and if onlys and just were candies and, uh, candies and nuts every day would be earth to darker fest. But, uh, Looking at some of these other ones, um, I don't want to talk about this one. The one okay. that you have, you could talk about it. I'm not saying a word about it because I you think know what? it's actually we're just gonna, gonna let it be out. mysterious. We're gonna let people wonder what we're <laughs> referencing there, and we're just gonna blow by it and get to my Wisconsin Big West Big Ten West future. <laughs> I have that at plus money. I still don't believe in it, even though Iowa lost to Minnesota, and we're not gonna talk about that debaucherous game. Because do you know why you oh, never God. punt? Because it leads to questionable fair catch calls. <laughs> Uh, but Ohio, uh, Ohio state now takes Wisconsin and Wisconsin would have to beat Ohio state to actually have a chance to win the big 10 West. As soon as they suffer that second conference loss, I need Iowa to lose two more games and that schedule doesn't set up for that. I, I want to believe in that, that win. I'm just noting that it's still a lost cause. Yeah, that one's, that one's kind of tough. That's one of those just very frustrating Iowa games, but I mean, Shoot, I, I, you're hoping Illinois and Nebraska, but then even for your Wisconsin title, but Nebraska's looming as well. Like I think there's still a path for Nebraska to get to the the Big Ten West championship, so uh, or to win the Big Ten West, excuse me. Um, and so yeah, that one's that one's a little bit rough. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, I'm still in awe at, at how this is happening, and I've tweeted about this future bunch, uh, the one we're not going to mention. But if this one is right, I'm. I'm going to, you're going to hear about it. So um, <laughs> we're just going to, sorry, folks, you can, if you've been paying attention since some of our first shows, you know what item we're referencing and we're not going to go further into it. I don't know when we will looking at the schedule, maybe in two weeks. Oh, I know when we are. Yeah. <laughs> you'll have a, you'll be, you'll either hear a lot. You'll hear a lot about it either way uh, after next week. I think uh, let the reader understand. Um, we've got a couple games of the week before we get into our picks again, always like to cover some of these big games. Um, wait, one of these games of the week is I have a pick on, uh, right, so but I didn't know these. that originally, but so yes, that's, let's that's go fine. and discuss Duke at Louisville. This I mentioned earlier, Florida state 
it's in the ACC title game. It would really have to face plant. Duke and Louisville are both chasing that. And Parker, uh, you have that Louisville plus 13 to one flyer. This is, this is where you're really hoping to capitalize, but I lean Duke in this game, the four point underdog. The beautiful thing about Duke is its defense does not give up explosive plays. And you and I both know Louisville's offense is contingent on explosive plays on passes of more than 20 yards this season. Duke's defense has given up two completions on 31 attempts for a total of 52 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. That's going to really cause some problems for Jack Plummer and Jeff Brown. Uh, yeah, I, I, I lean Duke covering here. We'll see how healthy Riley Leonard is. I think that matters. Um, one thing that has, uh, yeah, one, one thing that stood out about Louisville to me this season is, is their just consistency on both sides of the ball. I thought we knew that the offense would be better with Brom back, but the defense has, has replicated that year over year performance, which is pretty good as well. And I still feel okay about it. I, I mean, again, look, sometimes you just get dragged into hell by pick. That's just going to happen to you. And there's not really a lot you can do there, but Louisville, I mean, Louisville has every opportunity here to take care of business. Um, it's good that they get this game at home with, you know, Riley Leonard, perhaps putting his, putting it all on the line last week uh, there, but yeah, so, so need, need a, need a little help here for, uh, for Louisville for that future, but interested to see how they can kind of balance and can Duke's offense just, just keep the floor a little bit higher 82nd and rushing success rate on um offense they've got to find a way to, to to stay ahead of the chains there because louisville 15th in third and fourth down success rate allowed so uh kind of can see the narrative shaping up there but we'll see again what duke looks like on the field uh with or with or without riley leonard it will be a fun game to watch particularly because it does have in its own way national title implications given the effect it will have on florida state's final game of the season yep Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, and some of those, some of those trip gold down effects. The other big game is what I'm going to have a play on that. I'm excited that you're going to talk about it as well. Oregon is currently uh, minus seven. You're I'm getting a full touchdown last I knew. 49 uh, total. Uh, they're at Utah. Uh, that's uh this is a beefy game. I, I, I'm very excited about this. Utah is such an interesting team in the fact that they they got a little zombie in them. They won't die. And they've got some innovation and, and creativity that is just kind of uh, absolutely astounding. Douglas, before I go into my uh, diatribe and, uh, and give out my pick here, what, uh, what do you think about this game? What, what, what are you interested in from a uh, gambling or football perspective? It's a, a huge number for at Utah. Utah as a touchdown home underdog is astonishing when you remember that in front of home crowds, and notice the exact phrasing there, home crowds. I'm excluding the 2020 season when Utah played in an empty home stadium. In front of home crowds, Utah has won 27 straight, and 22 of those were against FBS opponents. That is a You're at a point there where you have to recognize that streak. And if not for that, this number would probably be veering Closely toward 10. Howdy points out that it's mostly six and a halfs out there. I believe the plus seven was at FanDuel. I believe we still have a plus seven available. I'm trying to pull that up. Oh, excuse me. Caesars. I'm going to abuse my, Caesars. I'm gonna abuse my powers and ask, ask producer Jacob, who's back this week, noted, Caesars. Uh, if he can if he can clarify that for me because I don't have the attention span to uh, look that up. There we go. He's got that for us. It's at Caesars. That is going to be my play. I'm going to take Utah here. I have this as 28 projected total points, Douglas. I am projecting Ooh. in this game Ooh. Utah 
to be like the fat guy who's fallen into the deep end of the pool, but gosh dang it, he's taken you with him. Uh, this defense is so stout. This is the number two offense in the nation versus the number two defense in the nation here. Uh, I, I do not think we're going to see a lot of points. On the other side, Oregon's defense is, is 16th. There are opportunities to take advantage of it. But even recently waiting a little bit heavier, Utah is 100 second in EPA per play on, um, excuse me, on uh, offense. So uh, really, really struggling there. One thing that I'm interested to see and why I think Utah matches up really, really well here to, to cover is that Oregon rushes nine percentage points less than the average team in any given situation. That's 12th in the nation. Utah gets rushed against 3.7 percentage points less than any team in the nation. That's 17th. So what Oregon does well is uh, that pass-run mix of efficiency, and Utah sees that every day. They see that every week, and they still have this high defensive efficiency here. I think the matchup is really, really nice. Additionally, Oregon is 18th in EPA per uh, pass on uh, excuse me, EPA per pass on defense. They're 52nd in EPA per rush. That number is going to matter because Utah is rushing 9.8% uh, more than average. That's 121st in the nation. So we're going to see a ton of rushing. We're going to see the clock moving, and we're going to see a Utah secondary that, that Oregon really doesn't want to try too much. I could see this clock going fast. I could see few possessions, and uh, I could I, I think a vote for Utah here is, is a vote for the under as well. Those are definitely correlated, uh, but I'm going to take the Utes to cover as a dog here at home. Parker, I've got two thoughts, and the first one is something you touched on earlier with regards to our futures. This game, if you're only getting that full touchdown at Caesars, this is why we shop. The easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use multiple sports books. Always get those best odds. We use an odds tool. We use the odds comparison tool, BetStamp. BetStamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, and player props. You can save time and money, which is also time, by checking BetStamp before you bet. You download the app today or go to betstamp.app slash hit the books. Help us look a little bit better. There should be a link in the description. And then, as we said, we always try to specify what sports book a line is available at, in this case, Caesars. So that if you're quick on the draw and you scan the QR code way up here in the corner, you can quickly get a sign-up page to Caesars in case you don't have a sports book account there and then go get that full touchdown. I pulled up the totals right now, Parker. Caesars also has the best total number at under 49. Everywhere else is 48 and a half. If you wanted that under, which you said, you, if you like Utah, it's very correlated, you can go get that full under 49 at Caesars, which sounds to me you're, you're just shy of recommending. Yeah, I, I, I'm terrible at totals, so generally I stay away. I think my only totals bet this season was um, – Colorado, Colorado State over just because I knew there was no number high enough for that but, one there. But uh, but that needed overtime. <laughs> I'm undefeated. I'm undefeated uh, on totals this year. That's all I can hear. I can't. It's 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 uh, uh, zero losses in the totals column for me. So um, yeah. So there's my Utah play. Go go find that because that's probably going away. It's been closer to six and a half. Uh, and so I, when I saw the seven, I definitely wanted to snag it. What's your first play this week, Douglas? I'm going to start off with UCF and West Virginia. You Central Florida is a frustrating team this year. Yes, they are three and four. They are more a five and two team than a three and four team. The truth is probably in the middle at four and three, but you and wins don't matter, but they start to show up in some of these numbers. They start to show up a little bit. It's only human nature. They're on a four game losing streak. I know it's tough to back a team on a four game losing streak as a touchdown favorite, but West Virginia, what they, they beat Duquesne, Pittsburgh, 
Texas Tech, and TCU, do any of those wins look as good now as they did in the moment? Every single one of them is aged poorly. I am lower and lower on this Neil Brown resurgence, and this is an opportunity for Central Florida to do what Gus Malzahn likes to do best. He runs the ball more than most people. We know this. It's the Gus bus for a reason. 3.5% rush rate over expected. And guess what? Rushing is West Virginia's defensive weakness. They rank number 93 in expected points added per rush. They rank number 84 in defensive rushing success rate. Central Florida should be able to just run the ball down West Virginia, and that alone gives me confidence. When Gus Malzahn can do what Gus Malzahn wants to do and is at home and needs to end a losing streak, all of these items back up to me liking Central Florida by a touchdown available at FanDuel. I... For the first time, I think all season, actually vehemently disagree. Ooh, I don't let's have hear this it. one as a play here, but the exact opposite. I'm going to do my. I'm going to do my like exact opposite here. Uh, UCF is 111th in EPA per rush, and West Virginia is 40th in EPA per rush on offense. And West Virginia rushes 8.5 percentage points more uh, than average, and. UCF gets rushed against 7.3% more than average. We are going to see a meaty, like like a bowling match, I think is what I called it on, on, uh, earlier today. It's just like, it's going to be, hey, we're just going to try to run it and hope we score. And then you're going to run it a bunch. We're going to hope we score. West Virginia basically throws an incomplete pass once every like five plays just to sacrifice to the gods to keep the run game going. But I think West Virginia's front actually pretty strongly dominates UCF's here. Uh, and so I, I, I have UCF winning, but I think that we're going to look low scoring, few possessions. And I think I think West Virginia is going to cover here. So we disagree. We'll have to see. Uh, Douglas, if only we had some kind of informal way to put stakes on when we disagree. I'm invoking it. I did not tell producer Jacob this. I just threw it, but he's there. He's the man. He's got it. We're going beer bet on West Virginia UCF doing it live by the seat of our pants. But I still love it. Uh, I'm going to take West Virginia and the points and uh you're gonna take the knights at home in the bounce house time will time will tell which way i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna lean on go. the home team who has played better overall i i appreciate the beer bet i do not shy away from it it's the fact that west virginia these wins are garbage and i don't know that that has been properly baked in as time has progressed howdy's wondering about the under this game is already a decently low total to my memory I don't have that immediately in front I'm of me, but fortunately it's up to see it's up to 59 and a half. So maybe howdy, maybe you've got a point hit that under. I, I like that. Yeah. We can have that quick banter, but like Parker, I usually shy away from totals. I'm winning on them this year, but only because I'm playing them so rarely much like you in Colorado, Colorado state, but that's my first play Parker. You've added stakes to it. I appreciate that. I'm never afraid of it. Now your turn. What do you got coming up next? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, Nebraska. We're going to go out to the corn again. I'm going back to, to Nebraska in a situation where uh, I've liked them a couple times this season. I felt like they've been a little bit undervalued. Here, I do feel like at two and a half against Purdue, um, and you can get that's widely available. I don't even need to say a sports book there because you can get two and a half for Nebraska as a favorite uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, I like them by more than a field goal against Purdue, and I really like the matchup. Purdue, not what you think, not the Jeff Brom uh, team anymore. They're not passing a ton. They are, um, they're, they're, they're really, really balanced. And uh, Nebraska, especially against the rush, has been pretty stout this season. Second in EPA per rush, 67th in EPA per pass. One thing that I really, really like, 
Nebraska has been very good at preventing finishing drives on defense. 27th in points per echo. Purdue is terrible at finishing drives. 77th, 3.50 points per echo there. So uh, I, I do think uh, Purdue will struggle to finish drives. I do want to see some more consistency out of the um, Nebraska pass game. And I think this is a great opportunity for it because Nebraska, 42nd in EPA per rush, 105th in EPA per pass on offense. Purdue's defense, 64th in EPA per rush, 82nd in EPA per pass. So they're worse against the pass. I think Nebraska will be able to run a lot, take a lot of pressure um, uh, and uh, off the quarterback and be able to uh, capitalize on that pass defense. So I'm going to take Nebraska here to cover as a favorite. You know I agree with you, and my analysis is very simple. I've been saying it for much of the season. Fade Purdue. Fade Purdue. Fade Purdue. It's not a good football team. I want to believe long-term. I like Ryan Walters, but I do believe that we are, um, I believe in a situation where we have enough information this season to, to believe that is an optimal strategy. So let's, uh, let's lock in Nebraska there for us. Um, all right. You've got a, you've got two more and I've got one more plays. Let's, uh, let's get to them. I owe an apology to Miami quarterback, Miami of Ohio quarterback. I confused the first name earlier in the show. It's Brett Gabbert, uh, serious leg injury this weekend out for the season. Now, I am a staunch advocate in buy on bad news, sell on good news, but I think this is the exception that proves the rule. Miami of Ohio is going to have to change its offense so much with Gabbert out. Now, his backup, Avion Smith, did start nine games last year when Gabbert was injured, but he's a runner, not a passer. He averaged 5.9 yards per pass attempt last year through five interceptions against 11 touchdowns while averaging more than 12 rush attempts per game. This offense is going to have to change up so much into a rushing attack that it's going to have a real problem at Ohio because Ohio's defensive strength is the ground game. I've got Ohio as a touchdown favorite, and I'm going to take that. If for no other reason than then Miami of Ohio's adjusted offense, leaning on the rush, is going to go against the number 11 rush defense in the country and expected points added per rush, number 18 in defensive success rate against the rush, number four in points per quality drive. This Ohio defense is going to dictate the terms, and Miami of Ohio's offense is going to struggle as a result. I like that a lot. Ohio just taking a little bit of a victory lap on this because we talked about it earlier this season. For you, you had them uh, yep. as a uh, as a future to win the conference. Um, but also, we noted Ohio's defense was like 123rd in EPA per play last year, and then like 125th in returning production. That was a great example of the principle that returning production is only good if that production that you're returning is good. This was an example of get those dudes out of here. And Ohio has dramatically transformed that offense, uh, flipped it all the way around. Uh, I see in the comments there, Dave Gear, Mac games will continue until morale improves, all right? Uh, we like football of all. We're going to um, be more. We're coming up in November. <laughs> They're going to be weeknight games. The surprise yes. of the show today is we don't have any weeknight action. That will be almost impossible in November when we have twice the weeknight games. There will be only more action as morale improves. Absolutely. These these cues of weeknight games have been great, and we throw the Mac in there, man. It's going to be a ton of fun. All right, so you're taking Ohio there in the Mac game. I'm going to go back to the uh, – not back to, but I'm going to go back to the Power 5 and go to the uh to go to the big 12 dave gear of course uh all, all in good fun thanks for being here man um i'm gonna look at 
potentially a buying low opportunity on on a Baylor team that's riding a little bit high from what I think is just an utterly inflated circumstance. The Baylor Bears this year are not good. They're 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 just they're just not good. Um, I don't think that's saying anything crazy at all. Uh, but they did just beat Cincinnati uh, pretty pretty convincingly at Cincinnati. Turns out Cincinnati's pretty bad too. They uh, host Ohio State. Uh, Iowa. No, they don't. Iowa State. Iowa State. Iowa State. Uh, one of those Middle America countries. I'm a coastal elite. I don't uh, I don't know the name, different names of those. Uh, but they they host Iowa State, and I think the big difference here between any of the teams that Baylor has competed with this season, which have been few and far between, is that Iowa State far and away has the best and most disruptive defense. They're 33rd in EPA per play. 35th against the pass, 38th against the rush. They are third in starting field position allowed. Uh, they, are, they are one of three teams in the nation allowing teams to start at worse than a touchback. Um, they are 23rd in early downs EPA defense. Baylor's offense is 114th in early downs EPA on offense. You know what's terrible to do against good defenses? Get into third long situations. You know what's terrible to do when your quarterback has a little bit of a decision-making problem? Get into third and long situations. Baylor is going to face third and long against Iowa State. And don't look now, but this Iowa State offense is kind of figuring things out with Rocco Beck. I I like how they're improving. Their EPA per pass is up to 60th in the nation now. Um, uh, The net field position, the match of the offense versus the defense, or the defense versus Baylor's offense, and the fact that Iowa State's defense offense get a little better every week, take an Iowa State minus two and a half. You can get that minus 102 currently at FanDuel, uh, and I'm going to take that one for my third and final play today. I want to agree with you. Everything you're saying makes sense, except there was that thing we didn't talk about earlier in the show that would be benefited by Baylor winning this game. I I want to agree with you. Everything you're, everything you're saying makes sense, except I might have this implied Baylor rooting interest. I mean, root with your heart, uh, bet with your brain, I think is the way that I would say that. My final play, Parker, is is still in the group in the power five. And I, I might be uh, selling high on Oregon State, I suppose, to use some of your parlance there with Baylor. I don't think the world has caught up with Arizona. I, uh, in some other areas of these conversations, I was wrong about Noah Fafita. I hope I, I think I'm saying that last name right. When he stepped in as Arizona's quarterback, I expected nothing good to come of it. And he's been a great player. Arizona has is now six and one against the spread this year. And that loss was overlooking Stanford in their six uh, spread wins. They're 12.3 points better per game than bookmakers expected expectations right now. They're four and three. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. They need to pick up maybe one unexpected win. And when you're a three and a half point home underdog, that can be the unexpected win. Oregon state looks great. I get it. But I really like Arizona in this spot at home, short dog. They Their offense has not quite been appreciated yet. It's efficient in every way. The number that stands out most to me is that they have a quality drive. They find themselves in a scoring opportunity more than half the time. Anytime that's the case, you have to like that team. You have to like that offense. Jed Fish has built this slowly, but somehow quickly at the same time. And he could have a six or seven win team on his hands if they pull this one off. I'm, as you know, a little bit of a birthday present to myself. I'm even going to pick up the Arizona money line at plus 150. I believe that's available at DraftKings. That's just me having some fun. The three and a half, I love getting that hook. But personally, yes, I will have some of that as well. Don't hate it at all. Uh, I actually have Arizona favored. 
Uh, I do believe that I had some real estate on Arizona five and a half under because I did not like this defense at all. The defense has been adequate. This makes me very nervous because the remaining schedule is Oregon State, UCLA, Colorado, Utah, Arizona State. They need this one uh, against Oregon State, Colorado, Arizona State, and they are they're at six there. So that pushes seven. them. Or they're, they're, they're seven there three. with those three. So yeah, uh, that Arizona I'm sweating a little bit, got a little hot under the collar for that uh, for the Arizona game uh, or for the Arizona total, but uh, a good team and, and really interesting to see. I think the Washington State game before that, I had them projected by like a touchdown to beat Washington State, and that's the first time I circled and thought Arizona might be good. So they're doing Arizona. all right. I disagree with your verb tense. It's not might be. Arizona is good, and the world hasn't quite caught up to that. Maybe that's a little bit of the, the Pac-12 doesn't get the notice it should, but that, that does show up sometimes, and I, I'm convinced it's showing up here. Arizona should be – this three-and-a-half is too big. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so, and there, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to Google it. I don't think I'll find it. That's right. The, the Brett McMurphy Arizona tweet was so funny to me where it was like – you know, if it weren't for these three plays, they would be undefeated. And like, <laughs> it's like, we can say Arizona's good while acknowledge that, yeah, a lot of people would be undefeated if you could change a couple plays. Clemson there, has so. reached the one yard line on five occasions this year without scoring a single point on those drives. You know, Clemson's five plays away from being number one in the country. Many people are, many people are saying that. Uh, Douglas, let's go ahead and, uh, and, and recap our, uh, our plays for this week. Why don't you start and I'll finish this out. I've got Central Florida by a touchdown and a, a beer on the line as they host West Virginia. Central Florida is, is an unlucky team this year, for lack of a better quick phrase. And I think that they start to dictate terms this week as Neil Brown's team comes back to earth. I've got Ohio by a full touchdown against in-state rival Miami of Ohio. This is a, a rare moment for me of, uh, I suppose, selling on bad news. I'm selling the Miami-Ohio offense without starting quarterback Brett Gabbert. They're just going to have to shift into the run too much. And I'm taking Arizona three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against Oregon State. I'm going to play with the money line with my own life at plus 150, available at DraftKings. Arizona is an underrated team. They're doing really well. People have not quite realized that just yet. I like that. I also love that picture, the big boy, 45 there. Uh, that's, a, that's a great aesthetic. My plays this week, uh, I like um, – Utah plus seven at home versus Oregon. I think they'll mess that game all the way up. Uh, Nebraska minus two and a half. We're fading Purdue. We're believing that Nebraska is quietly, quietly getting a little bit better. And then Iowa State at Baylor. I think Baylor has gotten a little bit of a bump here. Iowa State figuring out an offense and that defense is as good as uh, as you'd expect it to be. Those are my Three plays this week. Um, to those of you in the comments, thank you for being here. Always enjoy chatting uh, and, you know, and Parker, you guys here being able to talk ball. We did espouse weeknight football. We had two people hop in the comments with weeknight football thoughts. I think it was Pack Hack asked about uh, New Mexico State tonight. I actually have already made a small Louisiana Tech play. That's mostly, I think, New Mexico State's riding too high, and Louisiana Tech might be putting things together. Then we had Dusk ask about Charlotte FAU on Friday night. How that's our only Friday night game baffles me. I did pick Twice up in a row. two weeks, two weeks in a row where they've only had one. <clears throat> uh, and this is the one. This is Charlotte. You can say they played badly against Navy, but to lose the Navy 14-0 is as bad as it gets. 
that is a real bad indicator for uh, for uh, that team, and that's why I have a little bit of FAU interest there. It wouldn't be a good hit the books hit the books show. It wouldn't be a good piece of the Hammer Betting Network if we didn't at least touch on those weeknight games and in, in the closing moments here. Love it. Make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel at Hit the Books HQ. You can get our show every Tuesday from now until the end of the season, and you can get Kanish and Powers and all their nonsense a couple times a week over there as well. Thanks to the Hammer. Thanks to my co-host, Douglas Farmer. I'm Parker Fleming. See you guys next time.